Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined, as always, by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. How's it going, guys? Hey, Chris. Good. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, a little, you know, getting a little stir-crazy, being kind of stuck in my house, and my kids are driving me a little bit nuts, but I think that's probably pretty much what everybody's deal is, so can't really complain. Yeah. Yeah. Still trucking along. Um, I guess this is our first time... Uh, really talking since like total lockdown or I guess I guess lockdown in our area um, I know I'm stuck at home yeah I think we I think we were like right at the very beginning of all of this and then it's been pretty much since then that we've we haven't really had another opportunity to kind of chat and and uh, you know figure things out we've been kind of in uh, lockdown mode ourselves regardless because we've been working on the draft guide and that's kind of kept us preoccupied yeah. a little bit and uh, so that would have probably prevented us from doing a whole lot of talking but um, but yeah it's been a crazy few weeks and it doesn't seem like it's necessarily going to get a whole lot less crazy so we're going to try to provide you with some entertainment in the meantime let you take your mind off of all of the weirdness of the way that your life has changed over the past month. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are going to stay the same, because one thing that's not going to change entirely anyway uh, is the NFL draft. It's still going to happen uh, on the same timeline, at least unless something crazier than has happened already happens. Uh, the, the timetable is still the same uh, for the draft to happen at the end of April on the 23rd uh, is the the kickoff of the NFL draft. The first round will take place. And so, Kind of an interesting setup because they're going to be doing it very differently. Not going to have a live draft like we've had in the past. And you're going to have a bunch of general managers sitting on their home PCs in whatever rig that their IT you know department is able to cobble together because facilities are still going to be closed down. And on Zoom with a bunch of their, you know, with all their staff trying to coordinate and, and discuss these things. Shepard, how do you think this is going to go? <laughs> I think that for some teams, it'll be fine. And I think for some other teams, it's going to be a disaster. And I think overall, we're going to look back on this draft and um, Chris Ballard said it best. I don't remember where I heard him say it, but he said, you know, someday there's going to be a 60 for 60 about this, about this draft, because it is just absolutely bizarre that they're having to do it this way so i think that the colts are going to be fine i think chris ballard is a guy that there's no way you can plan for a pandemic and the the chaos and and everything that it's going to to 
cause for this whole process. So he wasn't prepared for this, but I think once he realized what the reality of the situation was, I think that he probably uh, thought through everything and sat down with everyone and and got a game plan together. So I think the Colts are going to be fine uh, with the way that they, they work these things. Uh, The fact that Frank Reich didn't know that we could all watch all 22 uh, is concerning. Um, When I I talked to him at the senior bowl, he was, he was shocked to find out that we could all watch all 22 anytime we wanted for a hundred dollars a year. Um, so, you know, that, uh, maybe doesn't make me feel great, but Chris Ballard is the one really running the show. Uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't get to talk to Chris Ballard cause he wasn't at the senior bowl. Maybe he would have been worse than Reich. I don't know. Uh, but I feel good that they're going to be fine and, and, uh, it's going to be different. Uh, certainly going to be weird, but, um, yeah, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. That was absolutely my very first thought when I started hearing some of this stuff was, oh my gosh, we're in so much trouble. Uh, but but so one of the things that I read and they did, uh, if you if you ever read, if anybody reads the, I don't know if it's still called the Monday Morning Quarterback, but Peter King does his his weekly uh, story and he, he put out this story and he interviewed six staffers from the Colts. So he talked to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. He talked to... Um, I don't remember who the other who all of the people were, but I know that he also talked to Parks Frazier, who is mm-hmm. the uh, I I can't remember his real title because I always refer to him as the assistant to the regional manager uh, because <laughs> because he is he's Frank Reich he was Frank Reich's assistant and I believe he's just like the offensive quality control coach maybe now uh, he got promoted in the in the off season so regardless he was talking about that he has a computer science degree um, and that he had been deemed as the the coaching in between guy, he was kind of taking care of a lot of the tech for, for the coaching staff and some of those guys in educating them on some of the stuff. He's substantially younger than a lot of those guys too. So, um, he, he was going to be there. <laughs> he was going to be there go between to try to kind of get them up to speed and everything. But yeah, you got to think some of those guys, I mean, I've, I've worked with people. I think we've all worked with people who are not great with technology and you know what it's like trying to explain things to them. So uh, the process is going to be interesting. People have worried about picks not getting in on time and stuff like that. That I think is silly because they call in picks. I and mean, we watched with the next pick, which is what we're getting ready to talk about here shortly um, last year. And we watched them making the picks and making trades. They do that by phone. They're not doing that over Zoom. They're not doing it over some other electronic process that's going to be confusing. They do it on the phone. Uh, so that's not going to really change. The biggest change, the biggest thing these guys are going to have to adapt to uh, is in terms of stuff that they've already missed, like the medicals that they're not going to be able to have access to. And then on draft day, actually struggling to communicate with their scouts because there's a free flow of information in that room where scouts are kind of making their case. And if you're going to if you're going to make your last minute case, um, you're you don't have an opportunity to do that. And I apologize that, that my idiot dog is blowing your eardrums out right now. I'm going to have to kill him shortly and then it'll be a quieter podcast. But um, so it's going to be really interesting, basically, is the long and short of it. But Jim, kick us off with uh, with the with the last pick or the next pick. What were your first thoughts on this uh, this new iteration of this one? Uh, was a lot of farting. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking amount of it. Like I'm, I'm all for a good fart joke, but maybe I mean. I'm pretty sure that was a machine, right? Was it? <laughs> I think yeah, I think it was a fart machine. Yeah. Okay, because but that joke ran out pretty quick, so that's yeah, my, yeah. my first takeaway. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's still more good stuff from them. I think this series is going to get infinitely more interesting. 
with the next right, couple yeah. episodes because we're going to start to see how they're going to plan that stuff out. Um, so with that in mind and knowing that that was coming up, like I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was interesting that maybe they filled it out a little bit with the DeForest Buckner bit mm-hmm. at the end. So maybe not as compelling as possibly, you know, the second episode was last year, but I think it's going to get way more interesting here pretty quickly. It might. Uh, part of me, part of me thinks that Chris Ballard isn't going to want to let anything out like that they're actually doing uh, until after the draft. Because what if they, what if they've come up with a process that's really good, and you know, thirty other teams haven't thought of something that they put out there, and so then all of a sudden the competitive advantage is gone that they once had. So, uh, I, I hope that it does get more exciting. I hope that like, I hope that we're really put in there, and like he, he shows us what like exactly what their plans are as far as how they're going to do it. But part of me believes that they're going to try to keep that a secret because this is, this is truly the first time in the modern era that, that things have been so radically different that one team could have a marked advantage just over communication, just over the process uh, than all the other teams. So um, it, it's, man, it is so interesting. And, you know, it, it might be something that Hopefully we, we get to see it after the fact. Hopefully if they don't show it to us before we get to see it later, because man, it is, like you said, it is just, it's, if you're, if you're a football fan and a draft fan specifically, this is like the craziest thing to, to try to think about just all the implications of even minor things that have had to change. So you're right, Jim, I hope they show it. And I hope that it is uh, as exciting as what I think it could be. My fear is that they won't because they think that there's some sort of an advantage there. Well, I think even if they do, I mean, of course, they're going to try to, you know, hide whatever advantage they have. But I still think we're going to get snippets of like infrastructure, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know, mobilization of their their workforce in general. And I'm sorry, but that's kind of the world I live in. And it's it's that's even more (laughs) infinitely intriguing to me. So that might be my own personal bias showing there. Um, But if, if, if I remember correctly, so did. Last year's did it run up into the draft? I thought it ran up and through the draft, and we then we saw it, the whole. Process. It did. It did. They yeah, okay. they did three episodes, and then the last episode was recapping what happened at the draft. Yeah, so I think the, those episodes, particularly after the draft, were always infinitely more interesting. You well, know, and, in, and you know, the, th- what happened, the third episode, more. the third episode is going to be. They've already said it's going to be largely focused on what it looks like doing draft prep from home. Uh, it's going to be a lot of focus on the individuals, what their setups are, uh, how they're preparing to do things differently. So it's going to be really interesting to see a look at that. And like like you said, who knows how much they'll give us. It'll be very carefully crafted, but it is intended to kind of show us what this is going to look like. And one of the things that keeps getting said uh, among a lot of people who kind of know what this process looks like from from both sides is that this is going to be the, the year where there's going to be some you're going to see how good your scouting staffs are. Um, and teams that have spent on scouting staffs that have invested in them and have good connections are going to come out with a much better setup than teams who maybe lack in that department because they're not going to have all of the same advantages. Um, and, and there's just they're dealing with a lot less information. So you're reliant on those scouts. And I think that's where the Colts are going to have an advantage because that's Chris Mallard's background. He's a scout. I mean, that's where he came. That's where he comes from. And it, it's just going to be really interesting to see. How this shakes out, uh, one of the things that's really interesting, and I mentioned this briefly before, you know, the talk about medicals and what access you are and are not going to have. And I've heard some some insiders and 
some scouts say they expect um, that there are guys who have medical issues are going to fall because people are going to be gun shy about them without being able to check them in their own uh, in their own areas and everything that they're going to fall. That's going to be really something that's kind of interesting. And I'll, I'll be watching that really carefully to see if that's the case, because there are some guys who are pretty interesting that, that have some medical issues. And if they fall, maybe the Colts take advantage of that, or maybe, uh, maybe they don't. And maybe some guys that we don't expect are going to fall a lot farther than we expect. So it's certainly going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks leading up to the draft and then through the draft and, and watching this class. And like you said, Shepard, uh, almost a guarantee this is a 30 for 30 kind of a thing because, you know, it's exactly the kind of thing that that they love to, to do those over. And it's going to be fascinating in the in the next five to 10 years. There's probably not going to be anything even remarkably close to like it. Right. Yeah. And you, you did I call it a 60 for 60? Yeah, you did. And I was going to let it yeah, slide. Okay. I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to correct you. I was just going <laughs> to let you just agree with me. And everybody was just going to pretend like they didn't know about it. But now you've called attention yeah. to it. Well, if, well, if I the mean, virus continues to impact the sports world the way it have, they might have to bump it up. It's going to be a 60. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you said that because I was like, oh, wait, I'm pretty sure I called it a six. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. I was trying to like give you an easy out and not mention it, but now we've made it a thing. So, yeah. Well, you know, I'd, I'd rather point out. I'd rather be the one to point out my mistakes than the people in the comments. So I'll, I'll call myself out. We're yeah, a self-correcting podcast. <laughs> Correct on the fly. We fact check in real time. Yeah. All right. So Jim is going to be hitting us with some questions and he's, he's got a carefully crafted list that he dropped into our, uh, our chat box here. That looks like a nightmare, uh, because our chat, <laughs> we, we, we learned in this process that our chat box is not designed to take, uh, like lists in the no, form of questions. It, it, well. It's not a fan of spaces or formatting. So it just crammed it all no. into one big, like run on sentence looking thing. So, so Jim's going to hit us with some questions and we're going to get some questions that we got from, uh, from you guys. And so we're going to dig into that. So Jim, go easy on us uh we've been quarantined we've been i mean both of us have been dealing with uh younger than school age children on a daily basis uh so you know just keep that in mind as you're nailing us with these hard-hitting questions well i'm even more out of the loop than you guys are because if you remember before the world fell apart um my world was already in crazy turmoil (laughs) as it was so i had so unplugged um and actually, you know, as we meant to do this segment two weeks ago now, so uh, I didn't post this question again on Twitter, but we did get at least uh, one response uh, from Ivan Burton, who had a couple questions that I still think are relevant. We should totally um, uh, ask those. And I have some meandering questions that hopefully we can just, you know, start some conversation and, and go from there. And you guys can enlighten me because I have no idea what's been going on. Uh, I started a new job two weeks ago. Um, nice. In, in a different state. In a different state because I'm stuck in mine. I don't know. During a pandemic. Get, yeah. I don't know if I can get through Kentucky because um, apparently they have checkpoints. Oh, I don't want to yeah. drive around Kentucky. I mean, I don't want to drive I through mean, Kentucky either, but it's the faster route. Um, right. And <laughs> sorry, Kentucky. Um your but not really delicious, but yeah, but not really. Um, so uh, I have been in an even smaller bubble than I think most people have been as of late. Um, 
So hopefully you guys can enlighten me. I would really appreciate it. And we can have some fun conversation about it. So we're going to start off with Ivan's questions. Um, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, and you guys feel free to discuss. Um, take an answer. If you know, don't answer, totally fine. Free flowing here. So Colts still have about $24 million in cap space. The original question was 30, but it's changed somewhat since then. So um, are they saving it for Clowney? If they don't get him, who would you bring in that's left? Now, this question was two weeks ago. So once again. I, I don't think they're saving it for Clowney. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that Clowney was ever even really an option. I think that I think that there was a lot of speculation um, just looking at maybe what people presume the, the Colts draft or roster needs were. And then they started looking at teams that had a lot of cap space and the fact that Chris Ballard had spent some of it already. Uh, I, I don't know that there was ever any real smoke there. I think that it was maybe manufactured. But yeah, I, I don't think they're going to try to go after Clowney at all. Is he, he still hasn't signed anywhere, right? Right. Okay. That's crazy. So Uh, this is going to annoy Colts fans maybe, but I would say more than likely they're not saving that for a free agent. I would, I wonder if they're going to, if that money is going to be used toward uh, extending uh, Ryan Kelly. Yeah. That might, that might be my, my estimation is that they extend Ryan Kelly. Um, And that that maybe would be the thing that seems more like what Ballard would do. He's already done some pretty uncharacteristic things. They spent a lot of money this offseason and they've got a lot of money tied up in quarterbacks. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really anticipate. I mean, they've already brought in players at most of their positions of need. The positions they have not filled, I anticipate they will fill mostly through the draft. And so to me, there's not like a big name guy out there that I think would make sense for the Colts. And so my, my gut says Ryan Kelly is the guy that money is going to be going to. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you can look for Ryan Kelly and there potentially may even be other re-signings in there as well. I don't think, I mean, if nothing else, they're going to need to save that to start re-signing guys that are actually good and are going to earn a second contract. So yeah, I don't, if it was me personally, I don't think there's anyone don't get me wrong. I think that they were probably going to sign guys going forward, but just looking at the the guys that are out there right now, I don't think that there's anybody out there that so can't miss that the Colts just have to go get them. Um, it's just not there. And and if Chris Ballard wants to save that money to re-sign guys, I'm all for it. Yeah, especially signing Kelly and and Jacoby's uh, salary is off the books after this season. What that's twelve to fifteen million, if I remember correctly. Somewhere in there that we instantly free up, letting him walk. So, so Brissett, Brissett's cap number for this next year is twenty-one million. Twenty. Oh, I forgot it was that much. Holy crap! Yeah. yeah. yeah so you kind of—I mean, use it to resign, but in general, you you kind of have to sit on it because then, boom, you get that twenty-one million released instantly yeah. next season. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. This this question was probably a bit more interesting two weeks ago <laughs> than it is now. Um, and then uh, his next question is, do you see the Colts trading the 44th pick? Possibly. <laughs> I'm going to be real noncommittal with our answers. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, though, I think that's probably the right answer because I could see 
Chris Ballard wanting to trade back out of that spot if there's not somebody that he wants there because he's he's given up picks and he does not like to give up picks. So he's going to be looking to gain draft capital again. That's something he likes to do. But he also really likes high second round picks. Those are picks that he's done really well with in the past. And so I could easily see him sitting at 34 and 44. But on the flip side of that, and this has been the case in several mock drafts that people have have you know, come up with if there's a quarterback they feel good about that drops down into the bottom of the first round, it's not out of the question to think that they could trade away that 44th pick or the 34th pick or whatever they would need to trade to move back up into the bottom of the, the first round and take a quarterback and, and get that fifth year option. Uh, if there's a player that they feel really good about, I'm not expecting that. Um, but it wouldn't totally surprise me. Well, you kind of answered one of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> um whoops quasi <laughs> well so here well then let's go off off of that then uh one of my questions is basically you know what do, what do you think um do you, do you see a scenario where the Colts are moving in the first round um and if so what do you think either if you were Chris Ballard would get you excited enough to do do so or in general do you think if so and so falls that they would be willing to package something up and get back in there. So for me, and I don't know what you think about this shepherd for me, I know that a lot of teams talk about that fifth year option and that being a really big deal. Um, I don't think that's really that worth it. Um, personally, right. I mean, if I look at that and I say the Colts are picking at 34, if they've got a, a, a quarterback who hits, uh, I don't know. I don't remember if the saints are picking at 27, uh, 28, somewhere in that ballpark. If, if you get a quarterback who gets past the Saints, who are a possible team to take a quarterback, but probably not maybe necessarily a, a lock, I mean, they could potentially take a developmental quarterback that could be falling to that range. Once you get past them, there's not really a quarterback, uh, te- a team that, that has an, a quarterback need. So if you get past somebody at that stage, that makes me think they're probably going to make it to me at 34. And to me, if you have four years with a quarterback, you you can tell at that point whether they're a franchise quarterback or whether they're not. And if you're the Colts and you've got a franchise quarterback, you're going to re-sign them. You're not. I mean, if you get if you get Patrick Mahomes 2.0, you're not going to keep them on the hook. That's not the way the Colts do things. If this is a franchise excellent quarterback, Jim Irsay is going to make them very wealthy. They're not going to wait until fifth year option, franchise tag them, keep them on the hook for as long as you can. That's not how the Colts operate. So to me it makes as much sense as anything to just take them where you are, save your draft capital, surround them with talent. Um, so for that reason, I would probably say I'm not moving up once because I'm not, I'm not moving up to the like low twenties because it's going to take too much. So the only way I would be considering moving up is if I'm moving up into the late twenties. And if I'm doing that, I'm probably not competing with anybody. So why am I moving into the first round? Uh, am I, is it worth giving up that draft capital in order just to get that fifth year option? Personally, I don't think so. So if you believe that there is a quarterback in this draft that could be your franchise quarterback under any circumstances, do you trade your first round pick at 13 overall? That's yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that you have to look at that. And I think that move tells you pretty strongly what the Colts think about those quarterbacks that are going to be in their range. Exactly. I don't think that they, I don't. So if if they believe that Jordan Love was the long term solution at quarterback, they're not trading out of thirteen because there's a chance he'll be there. If they think that 
Tua is the a long-term chance. It, he may not fall to 13, but they've got enough ammo to potentially go up and get him at four or five if they like him that much. So I don't know that they believe that, the, that their guy is in this draft. And I know that a lot of people expect the Colts to draft someone, and they may, but at the same time, it wouldn't shock me if they do draft someone for them to wait until day three to, to see if there's someone there that they could bring in and, and basically just cash in a lottery ticket on. And if nothing else, just have a guy under contract to carry into the following year so that you can go out and find your starter. Um, you know, I just don't, I don't think the Colts probably are going to take a, an early day one or day two pick, or obviously not a day one, but a day two pick on a guy that, that they wouldn't have been willing to take in the first round or at least trade back in the first round for it. Having, having that asset, having that 13th pick to be flexible and to, to move around, to make sure that you can get the quarterback, the quarterback of the future, not, not a, a corner, not a wide receiver, the quarterback, the most important position on the roster. Obviously Chris Ballard says it all the time. It's not just about one guy and it's not, but at the same time, if you have a franchise quarterback, you're going to be employed for a long time. Uh, and so that is the most important position. If you think that there's a guy that could be available that you could go get, you don't trade the most valuable asset you have, regardless of, of the defensive, the quality of the defensive tackle you get back. So I don't think the Colts are going to move up and hot take. I don't think the Colts are going to take a quarterback early. Uh, second, third round. I think you're looking fourth round at the earliest. And even then I think fifth and sixth round quarterback is more likely. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and that covers one of my other questions. Oh, sorry. You think, you think, you think, no, it's perfect. Um, what are your thoughts on that, uh, Blystone? Do you think they're going to take a QB at all? And if so, where do you think they're going to take one? Well, I think that that is, is dead on in terms of a logical thought process is that if you think that your guy is potentially there, you're not trading out. Um, so it tells you a lot about what Chris Ballard thinks about the, about the guys that are there. And also, I mean, it very well could be, I mean, if Jordan love falls into the second round, he's got a ton of talent. Uh, he, he could be a very good football player, but he could also be a complete bust. And Chris Ballard may be willing to take a flyer on him at a certain level. He may have him penciled in and say, this guy's got enough talent that if he hits 44, there's no way I can pass on this guy. I just, he's too, he's too much there's too much talent there. He could be, the potential is too great uh, that I can't pass on him, but he may also have a ceiling on that and say, I'm not willing to go higher on this guy than this, than this amount, because the, the risk is too high. And I know there are some ironclad lock, great players I can pick in that range. Uh, so it could be one of those things where he's looking at it and saying, uh, we're going to go get players that are going to surround Philip rivers. We think that we're good enough to win. Now we have got a, a lot of really talented players on this roster and we're going to worry about next year going to get that quarterback. And maybe they make some moves this this year to acquire some picks and they're going to bundle things up and move move up to get a guy next year. So many things are unpredictable anyway that you can't worry too much into the future. But it just wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, if they kind of take a flyer on a on a mid to late round guy an Anthony Gordon or uh, or somebody like that who who's developmental and who they think could could be a reasonable backup. And maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. And like you said, kind of get their lottery ticket. And this kid blows up and is, uh, you know, a, a crazy talent that just responds well to the NFL and does great. And if that happens, awesome. Uh, but if it doesn't, like you said, they've got somebody sitting behind Philip Rivers. Uh, and then next year when they go to um, 
to add somebody into the mix. They're not uh, starting completely from scratch in their quarterback room. So I could see that happening, but I just don't anticipate that that they're eh, I would be surprised if they moved up into the first given the moves that they made. Uh, is there anything that you think? I mean, the answer if you want to, this just kind of off the top of my head. Anything, anything that would be like a stunning drop that you think they'd be willing to move in to the first round? And not even talking about quarterback. Any other player that could possibly be a first-round prospect you think would drop enough that they might at least try to sneak in um, to the first round again? So I think... I'm I'm biased because I um, doing the draft guide. I, I looked at uh, offensive linemen, but there are three tackles in this class that if these guys fell somehow, if there was a, a gas mask bong video that dropped again this year, um, <laughs> and and either Wills, Becton, or Werfs happen to fall somewhere in the twenties, um, those guys are all three potential franchise tackles. Werfs played a lot of right tackle, but I think he's athletic enough to make the transition. He he had a lot of snaps at left too, and he looks fluid. Obviously, his feet weren't as good on the left side as they were on the right because he wasn't used to it. Um, but I think all of those guys are franchise left tackles, and we know Anthony Costanzo contemplated retirement. If one of those guys falls, it would be tough for me to not at least look at it to go up and get them because next year you're probably not going to be in a position if you are trying to draft a quarterback to draft a quarterback and a franchise left tackle if if and when Costanzo decides to ride off into the sunset so that would be from my perspective the only thing that would be tough uh, to pass on would be if one of those guys somehow made it to the 20s but again that is incredibly unlikely. Yeah, and that tracks with exactly the kind of thing that Chris Ballard likes to do because he talks about, and he talked about it at the Combine, that he obsesses over offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Uh, that mm. that's like, you know, he talked about specifically, and he, he said this referenced referencing the media. He was like, you guys daydream about receivers. I daydream about offensive linemen. That was that was his exact, that was, he was, I mean, it was literally like a love letter to Shepard. Uh, just like, just, I mean, the kind of thing that warms Shepard's heart is that this is a guy who is, who loves, loves offensive linemen and uh, kind of broke my heart as a person who at, at pick, thir- at pick 13, I'm thinking Henry Ruggs, bring him into my life. I want to see Henry Ruggs in a Colts uniform across from T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I knew it wasn't going to happen. I, I I mean, even at the combine, I thought this is there's a very low likelihood that this guy is a Colt. But um, but that he's kind of telegraphed what things he's likely to do. So I agree. If there was a guy he really likes that starts to fall, he knows this is a need. And he knows, like you said, he can't be taken care of. Uh, because he may also, I mean, we don't have a, there's no lock at edge, right? We still have some questions mm-hmm. at edge and those are viewed as the three most important positions on any team. If you want to have a championship contender is that you have a quarterback, you have a franchise left tackle and you have a franchise uh, pass rusher. And right now the Colts don't have guarantees at any of those things going into next season. Uh, they've got some guys who should be good. And we think Kamoko Ture and Ben Banigou are going to develop and be good players, but there's still question marks. And we don't know what's at left tackle after this year because Costanzo could retire. And we don't know what Philip Rivers is going to look like. Maybe he looks great and they re-sign him for another year uh, and they buy themselves more time. But you also don't know that that's going to continue even if he does look great. So there's a lot of questions 
so if you could lock one of those positions up for sure with one of these guys who you really love, you're probably going to take that move, especially if you already have said repeatedly that you daydream about offensive linemen. <laughs> awesome. I like those answers. Good stuff. Okay, well, let's get off the uh, like immediate draft pick stuff for a second. And so with all the draft work you guys have been doing the past couple months with the draft guide, who is your sleeper pick? And do you think uh, that person would be a good fit for the Colts? Like, are you talking like they're for that first pick at 34? Or just really, um, yeah, any of their early picks. We'll just go there. We'll just throw that out there. Just anybody who you think is kind of under the radar right now um, that you've noticed in your work on the draft guide and just in general through the site that uh, you uh, you would like to potentially see come to the Colts that nobody's talking about. Okay. I'll, uh, I was going to say, I was trying to wait. I was trying to wait Shepard out on that one, but it's clearly he's gonna... <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in. Um, so I don't know how much of a sleeper he is because so it, as much work as what I've done on the draft guide, I don't really know what other people, how other people think about these guys right now. I, I, uh, I don't want to taint what I, what I'm viewing with a lot of other stuff. So really once it comes like draft season, like once the season ends and once we're past the senior bowl and all that, I don't listen to draft podcasts anymore. I don't do anything really partly because it just becomes so much. It's just, I kind of get sick of watching football and that is something that I never thought would ever happen, but you just, I spent, I probably spent 40 hours in the past week just watching college football before even writing about it, just watching it for the draft guide, just so that just so that I knew what I was talking about when I was talking about these prospects and trying to write them up. So I don't know what everybody else thinks. I don't know how high this guy is is ranked, um, but I haven't heard just even peripheral. You know what I mean. I haven't heard anything about Isaiah Wilson uh, out of Georgia. He's a, a right tackle from Georgia. Um, he's a, a redshirt sophomore. Um, he's 6'6", 350 pounds. And uh, <laughs> for a guy that's 6'6", 350 pounds, he, he plays like he's a massive individual. Um, really, the thing that I love about Wilson the most is just that he's just a bully. And that's, that's like my number one... It, my number one criteria for offensive lineman, if you've got a guy who is just a jerk and it shows on tape and he plays just just putting just, just to finish somebody in the ground, not because the play dictated it, not because it needed to be done, but just because he looked at you and said, I'm going to put you in the dirt because I hate you. And I hate you because you're wearing the other Jersey. It, that just, it just makes me feel good and warm inside. And mm-hmm. Isaiah Wilson does that consistently. And part of it is number one, the mentality to do it because not everybody's born with that, that just the meanness that's required to do that. But part of it is also the ability to do it because there are some guys you watch tape and there are some guys that you can tell they like to do it and they want to do it, but they're not big enough. They're not strong enough. They're not athletic enough to position themselves to be in that position to put a guy into the dirt. And when you find a guy like Isaiah Wilson, who's big enough, strong enough, can move well enough, understands angles, understands leverage 
And then he also has the mentality to want to just try to kill people. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. I don't know that Isaiah Wilson necessarily fits with the Colts. I think that if you want to kick him inside to guard, I mean, he's, he's 350 pounds. I think he's going to work there. Um, you know, I think that he could definitely for right now, uh, he would be a, a great, you know, depth piece on the offensive line. Uh, and I think that eventually he could take over at right guard or right tackle, whatever the Colts want to do. I don't think they're going to, going to do anything with Braden Smith at right tackle. So I think that, uh, eventually he'd come in at right guard and, and could be a dominant player there. But again, um, you know, that's just my bias showing and really wanting to watch another guard that just wants to kill people and two guards that want to kill people is, is better than one guard that wants to kill people. So really it would just be, it would be fantastic. And, and, uh, I would never stop smiling on game day. <laughs> uh, so wonderful. That was so passionate. I, so my question is: Do you like him better or worse than uh, the guard who went to the Broncos, whose name I'm blanking on right now? Dalton Reisner. Reisner. Yeah. So. I think Isaiah Wilson is a better athlete than Reisner. I also think that he's got a bigger upside uh, because Wilson's just 21. Uh, He plays tackle. He is 350 pounds. He could improve his physique. Um, If he does improve his build uh, and he does continue to develop, Isaiah Wilson's going to be just a murderer. Uh, And uh, so I think that I think Wilson's got a higher ceiling than what Reisner did. Man, I loved Reisner too. Either guy, (laughs) either guy would be great. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, you know, I, I did the safety. Well, I, I graded, this is the first year and we should mention this. This is the first year in our doing the draft guide where we've graded multiple position groups. Um, I don't believe that. Have you done that before Shepard d- done multiple or has it? Have you, Not for the I, guide. I was going to say, I've, I've never, it, yeah. yeah, I've never for the, per, for the purposes of our guide graded more than one position group. We've obviously watched film on other guys uh, in the past, but actually going through and writing up scouting reports and, and scouting players in that same way that we do for the guide. Uh, this is the first year that we've done that. And so I have done uh, linebackers and running backs as well. But the guy that I looked at here um, that I do actually think would be an interesting fit and wouldn't surprise me if, um, you know, if the Colts would look at him, uh, is Jeremy Chin, who is a safety from Southern Illinois. Um, so the dude is 6'3, 221 pounds. He's got 32 and an eighth length arms, which all of those stats line up really similarly to a player that's already on the Colts roster, Darius Leonard. Um, but this is a safety. <laughs> he had an insane combine. Uh, the guy ran a four, four, five, uh, and he had a 138 inch broad jump. Hmm. <laughs> he just, he's, he's a freak. He just, I mean, 41 inch vertical. Uh, he's just this freakish athlete who is a pretty large dude. And he's a, he plays safety. And the thing that's craziest about him is that he doesn't play in the box. He's a free safety. <laughs> So he's roaming around in coverage. Uh, he, I watched a rep where he was on the outside covering a wide receiver, and I'm trying to remember the receiver. I think he got drafted last year by the Giants. Um, I mean, he was he was stride for stride with a an NFL receiver in coverage. Obviously, not at the time that receiver was in the NFL, but um, and and took the ball away from him. I mean, it was just, it was, it looked like you're watching a corner, except this is the safety. Who's the size of Darius Leonard, crazy long arms, great instincts, uh, just a stupid athlete and has the, 
the makeup speed to catch up if he makes a mistake. He's one of those guys that I just think he's a little raw. He comes from a small school, so you're going to have to kind of see how he makes that transition. But um, he's a player I could see if he were to fall to the Colts in the second round. It wouldn't shock me. That's not a huge position of need, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them take a pretty scheme versatile safety because he's got the size uh, to play at the the big nickel. He could play actually as a backup to Darius Leonard because he's the same size. So he could probably step into that role and handle a lot of those same responsibilities. He's got great tackling uh, in that same way uh, that Darius Leonard does. And they love having those safeties that are versatile. So he can play in the slot and on the outside. He could play in the role that Malik Hooker occupies and and kind of challenge him a little bit. But he could probably play in the box as well, even though that's not really what he's used for. Um, the real reason is they didn't that he was he was really good in in roaming coverage. So they wanted to utilize him and his size to do that. So um, he's a guy I'm really excited about what his potential could be because he is pretty raw. Um, I drew the comparison in terms of, and this is just, and I hate player comps. I don't know how you feel about this Shepard, but I, I agonize over them because I know what people think when you say it is like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is what, what this player is going to be. Uh, and that's not at all what I mean, but the, the feeling that I got while I was watching him was the same feeling that I got watching, uh, Derwin James. And I graded the safeties two years ago and, and watched a lot of Derwin James. And, um, I'm not saying that he has that kind of that that's his trajectory or anything, but that just, they, they play similarly. They do a lot of the same kinds of things. They, they have a similar athletic profile and there's just a lot of commonality there in terms of their position versatility and everything. Cause James was used on all kinds of different sets uh, with the chargers. He was in on a ton of different plays because of being such a versatile player. And so I'm looking for him to be a pretty big impact player. He's also really, um, you know, he was, he was pretty valuable on special teams as well. Um, I'm not sure if you draft him in the first or second round, how much you use him there, but I look for him to make an impact and sort of in the same way um, as Wilson, he's a raw player and a, a player who probably has a bit of growing to do. And so mm-hmm. the potential is certainly there to really be a monster of a player. I don't know if he gets moved inside to play. I mean, he may be big enough and he may be interesting enough for teams that they may want to move him full time to will. Um, and I know that's not really a need for the Colts, but I don't really think that Ballard is always a guy who's going to be tied to need. I think there's sometimes guys are going to come in and he's going to say, yeah, we've been cashing in on linebackers and give me one more. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like he might be that guy that if he sees a defensive player, he's excited about wherever they're at. I mean, he could he could go out and be like, yeah, we just picked up a a three technique for a first round pick. And guess what? We're using pick 34 on and Javon Kinlaw happened to fall. And guess who's joining our team now? Um, Those things wouldn't surprise me. So. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.
Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Nor would they anger me. (laughs) (laughs) I would actually be pretty excited about that. What little I do know, I would be excited about that move. Um, Awesome. See, that's what I'm here for. I know you guys have been doing this work, so I was excited about those dumps like that. That's great. Thanks. So, um, I don't know then, Shepard, if this is the next question for you, but and maybe we can uh, make this bit more cult specific than I originally had it worded, but um, who is like a player who has been hyped up now that you aren't buying said hype on, or who has been hyped up or mocked to the Colts often, who you are maybe not so sold on for those purposes as well. Sure. So um, one name that I did see pop up and I was interested because uh, he went to Boise. Um, And so anytime you hear about a guy that isn't a power five school or somebody mentions, you know, like, Hey, you should watch out for this guy. Um, And you know, that's, that is how I came up with this guy's name. But Ezra Cleveland uh, is a, a left tackle from Boise state. Um, I think that I heard Zach Hicks say something about him for Zach Hicks was doing offensive line with me. We coordinated on a lot of things and I bounced stuff off him. He bounced stuff off me. Um, but Ezra Cleveland was a guy that I heard, um, that I needed to watch. He was a a really athletic prospect. That's the rumor that I heard. Uh, And then I turned on his tape and everybody that said that he was an athletic prospect is correct. He is an athletic prospect and he's a guy that could be available uh, somewhere in the middle rounds that um, has the potential and the upside to be a starting left tackle. With that said, I absolutely could not stand the way he plays. I graded him incredibly low, um, lower than just based on the couple of guys I saw talking about him lower than everybody else is going to grade him. And I know that's probably going to be a really unpopular take. Um, but Ezra Cleveland, um, he moves really well, uh, but he is, there were times when he had, just an easy opportunity to finish a block just to all literally he could have just breathed on a guy and made him fall over into the ground and he he just didn't he just didn't there's nothing there's no killer instinct in him there's no there's no meanness in his heart and you got to have a little bit of that and it just it just didn't come through he looked like he was playing in slow motion a lot and part of that's to his credit right because part of it he was being patient and he wasn't panicking he wasn't freaking out when a pass rusher was coming at him but he just looked like he was slow and it just looked like his punches his punches would happen and he would do everything right um but he just there just wasn't urgency in his game it just wasn't there was no aggression 
Um, he just, he seemed like a really nice guy. Uh, and that's, that's not great. That's not what I want to see from any offensive lineman, regardless of position. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I can't, I can't get behind Ezra Cleveland. Uh, he's a guy that you know, his name would kind of started to pick up steam based on what I saw. Um, again, I don't know how early you wanted me to go with this, but Ezra Cleveland's a guy that I've seen rise up media boards probably, but I'm just, I don't see it. I'm just not seeing it. Don't feel it from him at all. Well, in terms of actual players that I've seen mocked to the Colts on, on my part, I'm not sure uh, that I have a strong disagreement with anybody that's been mocked to them. Um, I, you don't see it. So what's funny is you saw these Colts mocks with Jordan love, and now you don't see that as much anymore. And, mm-hmm. and it's just a bunch of different receivers. And so one of them, I've seen a couple different ones. Um, I wonder, I keep seeing the two that I've seen most prominently, I guess, are Jalen Rager is one that I continue to see uh, going to the Colts. And then, um, and I've seen LaVisca Chenault go to the Colts as well. I don't have an issue with either that's, of those. That's a name. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, is a, it is a name. It's a it's an interesting one. It's that not, it I mean, it's not tong- like Tua Tonga-Vailoa or anything, because that's, no. and, and there is somebody apparently that that is on their way. There's a quarterback, I guess, that's going to be a freshman this year that I, I heard about that his name is heinous to say. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's some Tua's kind of rolls off the tongue, though. I, yes. It does. I don't mind to us so much. Yeah, there's there are ways to shorten it. There are some there are some wild ones. Uh, but like so, Jalen Rager is one that I've seen uh, to the Colts, and he is a fast guy. And I'm just not totally sold on him. And it's not because I think he's a one trick pony or anything. But I watched some of them. There were some concentration drops and things like that. And and more than the fact that he maybe is a little bit overhyped is just that I'm not sure he's the right body type to look for for the Colts. Because the Colts have, I mean, if I, mean, I, I don't know, and this depends on how on how you. It depends a lot on how Chris Ballard is going to build this roster because he's obviously building it both for now and for later. But there's something that's pretty notable if you watch Philip Rivers' film, and that is he likes to throw it, the ball up to big guys who can go up and get the ball, and, um. You know, when you have a quarterback whose accuracy maybe isn't quite as good as it used to be and who has a tendency to like to throw a jump ball, you probably ought to make sure you get him a big bodied guy that can go up and do that. And they got rid of the tight end on their roster who had that capability uh, in the form of Eric Ebron. And so they've got a lot of options at receiver that they could replenish that talent with uh, in terms of big guys. And I just keep seeing them getting mocked, these short, fast guys. And I think T.Y. Hilton is still very talented. He need They need to be thinking about potential replacements for him. But I'm not sure that the speedy guys, I understand that speed is a big deal right now. Uh, but I wonder if size is going to be something the Colts are going to be looking for in their receivers in this draft. And so I wouldn't necessarily say that I have an issue. I think Jalen Rager is going to be a fine receiver. I'm just not sure if he makes sense as a fit with the Colts, given maybe what they're going to want to do uh, with that group. Um, I could be totally wrong, but that's kind of my thought on on the reason why. I'm not going to. I'm not saying I'd be upset if they did pick him. I just think I'm wondering if Chris Ballard is thinking differently and looking at size. Well, and we tried size somewhat with Funches, and sure, we got half a game. Yeah, I mean, 
That's through no fault of our own. No, 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 no. But it just, you know, we finally had addressed that that need in our wide receiver core, and then it just got taken away from us immediately. Yeah, so you didn't get to see really how that offense functions with that player in that position, and it just makes you wonder if they'll try to address it that way. Um, And that's kind of my expectation. There's There are several guys, and they don't have to do it right away, but there are several guys in this draft that could fit that mold. And I anticipate that maybe that's the direction they'll look because they've got T.Y. and they can then if they have a guy uh, and they've got they've got T.Y. and they've got Paris Campbell, they've got the the guys who can go fast and are a little bit smaller uh, and can make something happen after the catch. But now you need the big target that can go up on the sideline or in the red zone uh, and make a play in a 50 50 situation. And they don't really have that. So they're going to need to uh, to find that somewhere. That's that's kind of my thought process in terms of. the type of receiver maybe they'll be looking for. Well, and you know, they, they really like a, uh, a receiver that likes to get involved in, in the, in blocking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would hope to see somebody who is big enough to also have an impact um, in the offense that way as well, uh, because look well, how much they got involved when, when, when they're willing to buy in. You know, look how much uh, they use the wide receivers for for the run game for blocking. You, you would probably like Lavisca Chenalton because he's more than a name Ooh. there. He does he does like to mix it up with the blocks. Mm. He's, a, he's a big Even boy. Better. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, they, they've shown time and time again that they reward wide receivers who 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 you know put their time in blocking also. So um, that'd be nice to see also. Okay, so. Keeping, we'll move on from wide receivers because we know that, you know, the wide receiver depth is, you know, pretty deep in this draft. Uh, mm-hmm. And everybody's already expecting the Colts to draft some help on that department. But if we were to wipe away the wide receiver or, you know, maybe somehow, you know, th- who the Colts have, you know, had valued at wide receiver are gone at that point at 30, uh, at 34 and 44. What needs would you like to see them fill with those early picks outside of that wide receiver um, that everybody's talking about or mocking to us? Is this one for Blystone or me? Oh, either one. Uh... I think I've got an idea of yours, Shepard. I, that's, um, yeah. I, I just assume I just assume Shepard was going to say something about offensive line, so I was just going to let yeah. him go. Just, I was just I, expecting to hear about another tackle or another guard. That's so, awesome. so the the question the question was just for wide receivers, right? No, no. no let's take the question the is if they're not if you're not addressing receiver right, early yeah. on. What, yeah. So I'll cheat because it is a need. Um, and I don't think, so I had tight ends also, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to go away from offensive line, even though I would, um, I mean, if they took Isaiah Wilson, uh, in, you know, in the second round, I'd be giddy. Um, I'm going to go away from offensive line, but also take offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying I would, I would, I would appreciate I'm gonna that. I'm going to go away from offensive line to the temporary <laughs> offensive line. It's, it's my, but, it's my, it's my secret offensive line pick, but you don't know about it. <laughs> Okay. All right. But seriously, I'll go away from offensive line. If they took Wilson, great. If not, that's okay. But 
they need a tight end. That's not a secret. Um, again, this is kind of a pass catcher. There aren't a lot of guys in this draft that are going to be good tight ends. They're, they're just not. Um, there are a couple guys at the top. If the Colts want somebody that can maybe kind of do a little bit of everything, maybe Cole Komet. For my money, though, to replace what you lost with Eric Ebron and hopefully you know be a, a better teammate and just in general, a person, um, there's a guy named Harrison Bryant. Um, and I feel like that he is going to be a really good, uh, pass catching tight end. Uh, he's out of Florida Atlantic. Um, and he's a guy that I could see him going in the second. Uh, and you know, if the Colts need somebody that can come in and, and catch passes, fill that tight end role and, and really go up and, and kind of be what, we had it, when Eric Ebron was as good as Eric Ebron could get before he IR'd himself. Uh, I think Harrison Bryant's that kind of guy to go out and do that. <laughs> the last season was so ridiculous. I know it was, it was you couldn't so have written it. <laughs> yeah. If somebody would have written that as a book, no one would have believed it. <sighs> well, so for my part, I have my heart set on wide receivers. This is actually a pretty tough question for me because I would be totally happy if Chris Ballard took a wide receiver at 34 and 44. It would not hurt my feelings one bit. I do not think that, that he's going to do that, but it would not hurt my feelings if he did. Um, having said that, probably I'm split a little because I think in my mind, as as much as I tease Shepard about it, I think probably tackle would be the position that I'd be looking at uh, at, at 34. Uh, and I'd like to see them address that pretty early because it's a serious need. I mean, if it, when we thought that there was a potential that we might be losing Anthony Costanzo, uh, that is a game wrecker for draft plans because now you have a like top of the draft kind of level need that overrule overrules everything else you need to do. Um, and we already know they're going to be looking at quarterbacks. So you're just, it, it's going to be a huge headache. And Ballard has said and said this off season, uh, these guys need time sometimes. And so the good thing is I have heard and Shepard, you'll know this better than I would. Uh, but, but from what I've heard, this is a, a class where you could get a tackle later and develop them. And you could probably still get a quality guy. And since they don't have to play this season, you could sit them and have them develop and learn the scheme and get better and then be ready to come in. If Costanzo says I'm hanging him up after this season. Uh, and if you got two years with them sitting behind him, great, that's fine. Ideally you'd like them to be, you know, getting on the field while they're under their rookie pay scale. But at the same time, if you get a franchise left tackle who can step in when your current one retires, you're going to count yourself pretty lucky. So, um, I would say tackle probably makes the most sense. And then if that's not the way that I'm going, I, I can't imagine that if it's not wide receiver or tackle, there's almost no chance in my mind that Ballard is not going to address defense because I mean, how that's the majority of what he's dealt with the entire time he's been here is, is on the defense. So I feel like edge is likely um, or corner because there is a need at corner Um this is not a great safety class, so I would be really surprised if they took a safety that high. Um, but but the corner position would be one where they definitely could use some depth, could use some help. They brought in Xavier Rhodes, but he is sort of a flyer on a guy who might uh, – they're kind of betting on the upside. I mean, he, he has been really good. He's had some, uh, some down play and um, – you know, how much of that's due to injury? What does he have left? Who knows? Can he fit in with their scheme? I think they're counting also on their defensive line to make quarterbacks miserable enough that their that their uh, corners and their secondary doesn't have to work quite as hard. But 
unless they're really betting on Marvell Tell developing into a, a full-time starter, they're probably going to have a need there uh, to put somebody across from Rocky Sin and uh, at least on a permanent basis, Xavier Rhodes is not going to be the guy forever. So um, I don't know. I, I think that would probably be the other position I'd consider addressing pretty early would be corner. So they could, they could pair um, somebody across from, uh, from Rocky Sin. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that, um, you know, looking at corner specifically, it wouldn't surprise me uh, at all. And, you know, that's, uh, that is right around where Chris Ballard's like to draft him. So yeah, not shocking at all. Well, I I was, however, surprised that it's actually an issue because I figured that there was no way they were going to let Pierre Desir go. And obviously I was totally wrong there. So, I mean, I know that he wasn't good and I ridiculed him as much as anybody. And he, he cost the Colts a lot of big plays, but he was also playing hurt. Um, and, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, that surprised me a lot. I, I thought at the very least you have you want to have him on the roster and bring in competition for him. But I don't know. Interesting move. And that makes me wonder if that position is is on the books as one they're going to look for. Yeah, I, I can totally see that happening. You know, it's the Pierre Desir thing. I, I don't know if I was as surprised because he really did play so poorly last year that maybe it was just time to to cut bait, but once again, you know, what, what was that? Was that injury? You know, we don't really know, but um, yeah, I could see corner. I, that's one thing I was thinking about when I typed that question out, that's probably something I would be looking at myself. So, um, and then, uh, so away from a cult specific here, um, what other AFC South offseason moves outside of Hopkins should we either make note or make fun of? Uh, which is probably just going to be Houston again because when I typed that out last night, I had read their most recent move, uh, and uh, it's just it, it just keeps it's a gift that keeps on giving, really. Man, if ever there was a, an off season to be thankful for being in the AFC South, man, it, <laughs> this it, it has been like if it's it almost makes you wonder if Chris Ballard is like a puppet master and he's controlling all of these people or something because it seems so coordinated in the favor of the Colts that it's insane. I mean, the the Texans have traded away a ton of talent, taken on bad contracts. They've gotten tons of just, they've just made mind boggling moves. Um, and, and I don't understand it at all. Um, I mean, if you do want to understand it, I recommend going to uh, at four Jacko 69, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Twitter account, uh, which is very clearly Bill O'Brien's burner account. And I'm not even remotely joking. Yeah, I'm no. nearly, nearly certain that it is his burner account because uh, or as Shepard pointed out off the off the air before he started a very well run and elaborate uh, like prank by somebody who is pretending to be Bill O'Brien's burner account. And, and if they are props to them, it's very entertaining, but definitely seems like Bill O'Brien uh, doing his best to defend all of his ridiculous actions. But he's not the only one who's made some moves that I don't totally think are going to pan. I mean, the Jaguars have traded away a lot of talent. They've mm-hmm. lost, they've lost a lot. Um, and, you know, then you've got, um, the the Titans really have lost some talent as well. I mean, you've lost some pillar players in all of these teams, and the Colts have gotten better, and I'm not sure that any other team in the AFC South, I'm not sure I would say any of them got better 
over the course of free agency. Um, and the Texans maybe have gotten irreparably damaged because of doing just ridiculously stupid things. I don't know. I, I think the Colts, especially with the expanded playoff picture, I think that there's no reason that the Colts should not make the playoffs in the 2020 season uh, because of the way that their division has behaved and the fact that the bar has been lowered to make the playoffs. They, if they, if they don't, it would be a major disappointment. Yeah, I could yeah, I, that case. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, I agree. I think that you know, it's just the AFC South is such a mess, and really, you know, this this time is such an uncertain one. I think that it's important that we all look back as Colts fans and we just be super thankful uh, that the Houston Texans owner is an eighty year old woman who has no idea what she's doing, whose husband left her a football team, and now she'll never fire Bill O'Brien. And I just think that now we should be more thankful for that fact than than ever before because it is amazing the the, the results of Bill O'Brien having complete control over the team that has won our division quite a bit recently. Uh, really, we couldn't ask for more as Colts fans because we're watching it blow up and it is, it's fantastic. I, I love every second of Bill O'Brien as a general manager. Well, <laughs> she, she very clearly stared into the depths of his chin dimple and was, and lost her mind. And now she's just in a catatonic state and Bill O'Brien is running the organization. I mean, the butt chin has taken over and, Whatever he says goes until she snaps out of it or, you know, he just runs the team completely into the ground. And uh, all I can say to that is go Colts. And I, I don't want to get too nerdy here, but this I every time I envision like those meetings, it's a worm tongue Lord of the Rings scenario for me that, <laughs> you know, she's just catatonic in the chair and he's all hunched over and just whispering in her ear, we'll trade away our best player. And then we will give them draft picks for it. It'll be brilliant. And then she makes it so. And, <laughs> and he just, his grasp on her just tightens Yeah, every it, time he makes a decision. It, it's pretty crazy to think of the players that have exited there and that they don't have any first-round picks. I mean, they they lost to Jadevian Clowney. They lost DeAndre Hopkins. They have no first round picks. How did this happen? I believe there. I feel like there's somebody else too that left that also could have maybe fetched a first round pick. If you're JJ Watt or if you're, you know, Deshaun Watson, you've got to be really frustrated because this is this is not a team that's set up to win, and they probably weren't that far off if they'd made some good moves this off season. I mean, imagine if they make a couple of these moves without trading away DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe it's not so bad. Uh, I mean, if they had just acquired Brandon Cooks and added him to their roster, I would probably feel, feel pretty good about that. Yeah. If, if DeAndre yeah, Hopkins, that would sense. I would go, that sucks. This team is going to be formidable, but without DeAndre Hopkins, man, it kind of doesn't matter. It's, it's a downgrade. So um, I don't know. I, I think that the best team in the division right now, that's not the Colts is the Titans. And the problem with that is that they've also lost some things and they're putting a lot of money on a couple of, of things that I think are unlikely. And that is they're hoping that Derrick Henry has another year like he had last year, which is not likely because it just is not normal for running backs to have the kind of year that he had. And also they're expecting that Ryan Tannehill is going to have a really good season like he had last year as well. And again, he has a whole career of work that you can look at where he didn't do that. So if you're betting, 
it seems likely that the Texans have maybe made bad decisions or the Titans and have, have made some bad choices and are likely to pay the consequences. So it could be really interesting. Maybe it works out gangbusters for them and they're a very good team again, but I would be willing to take the money that says that they're probably not going to have the same production out of those two. Yeah, I can see that. That would make sense. I mean, Henry's season last last season was just ridiculous. And, I mean, how often does a running back repeat just back-to-back ungodly seasons like that? Every decade or so, maybe? I guess well, we're going to do what we're due. Yeah, with, with the number of carries that he had last year, it would be tough. Um yeah, but you know, I think I think if anyone is uh, if anyone is built uh, just physically capable of handling that load two seasons in a row, it's him. That said, you know, I just I don't know how likely that is. Well, so were those carries of necessity, right? You know, yeah. the, you know they were starting Mariota, who is not good. You know, we've been over this. Took the took the Titans a while to figure it out, but. You know, we've known for some time. So, and then even bringing Tannehill in, you know, that offense isn't built for him either. Right. You know, once he became the starter. So, yeah, how much of it was they just had to lean on him, even though they were getting better quarterback play? That's not what they were designed around. They were designed to compensate for bad quarterback play. Right. Yeah, and, you know, Tannehill excelled, but at the same time in the playoffs, you kind of saw him revert back to – old Tannehill, um, yeah. you know, so, you know, it, it's tough to know what you're getting there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, <laughs> I'm hopeful that, uh, uh, that it was just, you know, it'll be back to, to what we've known from them in the past, but you know, you kind of, uh, if there is a team that worries me at this point, it is the Titans more than the Texans. Well, and, and the Colts have made moves to take care of that problem because they went and got DeForest Buckner, who absolutely is in mm-hmm. partly part there to address Derrick Henry and deal with yeah. that threat in some way. And uh, I think makes a big difference. I mean, maybe doesn't completely have the ability to shut him down, but he frees up a whole lot in terms of what the linebackers maybe are able to do. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think that they're probably the best other team and some of how the draft shakes out will matter uh, significantly in that picture, obviously, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely good to be in the AFC South. We'll just say that. <laughs> well, at least the Texans, or not the Texans, sorry, the Titans have like draft picks to change their fortune in the draft, right. unlike the Texans who just continue to shed them. <laughs> like, no, we don't need these things. <laughs> what, what, these what do you for? do with a pick? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one final question. And this question is uh, for you, Shepard. Um, <laughs> How many kids will Rivers produce during his tenure here in Indy? Uh, I, my guess is like is seven point five. <laughs> well, I think that I think at this point, um, you know, he and his wife are getting up there in age, so maybe maybe they've slowed down a little bit. I don't think they'll have. I mean, they're probably only going to be here a year, maybe two at most. So probably three kids in that in that amount of time. Well, okay. but, yeah, it's but, but here's the thing. You have to account for the fact that as as women age, they have a higher likelihood of having multiples. Uh, this is mm. this is just I mean, 
this is a fact that that I know, and uh, and also that he's now quarantined with that wife, and. <laughs> So, I mean, I think uh, an octuplet set is is definitely in the possibility of things that oh, could happen. Wow. Uh, and and if Jets, if if Jeff Jeff Jim sets the over under at, <laughs> at seven, seven and, and a half, half, at seven and a half, I think he could. I think could, I'd take the over. I think maybe there's a possibility. So, get himself a whole get himself a whole section. I mean, he's got a cheering section. He'll Reggie will have his section, and Rivers will have his section and the difference is reggie's are fans and rivers are actual family yeah so at what point does does philip rivers get his own reality show just for having so many kids i feel well, like, I feel like i feel like as soon as he stops playing football you know you got romo who goes and gets a, a job as an analyst and then he rivers just goes directly to to tlc he's just immediately on yeah. tlc mm-hmm. uh they just cut him a blank check and are just like okay wh- whatever you want to do buddy and they'll stay in the Midwest because all those, you know, shows about people who have too many kids seems to happen in like the Midwest or the South. So, you know, he, he'll, he'll move here. He'll stay in Indiana. He'll help, you know, keep Indy uh, on the map through uh, the Learning Channel. It's great because that's remember, that's called the Learning Channel. No. I, did, I did not know that's what that stood for. <laughs> that's what it used to stand for. <laughs> you don't. You don't learn about things that are good anymore on the Learning Channel. Um, well, it never. To be fair, it never said l- the Learning Channel for good things. It just said, you true. know, we're going to learn stuff that's worthless. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, guys. Don't be, so, uh, don't be so picky with your free knowledge, Jim. <laughs> Sorry, I'm paying for that. That's that's in a cable package. <laughs> are you really paying? Are you really paying for TLC? It, it I mean, pays somebody for- is. Come on, Jim. It pays for itself. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, well, guys, I really appreciate it. Um, that was fun. I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and I hope it was informative for those out there uh, listening to us. So I, I really appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of in this moment of mild panic as I've looked down at Shepard's uh, audio bar and noticed that there is nothing showing up there. So I'm now wondering if we've recorded for an hour and 10 minutes and Shepard is not going to actually show up in any of this conversation, which is going to make, I can see it, which is going to make a super awkward conversation. Uh, I can hear you. Okay. That's good. That makes me feel much better because if, if we get to the end of this conversation and it's literally just Jim and I, and then awkward silences, it's going to (laughs) be very uncomfortable. So Um, I, I can see his too. So okay, I, I see him moving also. So yeah, I, th- I think we're good. good. Everyone, you are safe. You you will at this point already have known that you could hear Shepard. So I guess this is an irrelevant aside. So congratulations on a, a minute of your life being wasted. <laughs> um, so the last thing I did want to close out with, and we talked about this obviously quite a bit here, is that we, you know, our draft guide, by the time you listen to this, our draft guide should be out. Um, Brett has been working really hard to get the draft guide formatted the last that i heard it was like close to 500 pages long um mm-hmm. so if you actually follow brett on twitter 
Um, you should give him props because he does an amazing job of putting all of this together. And then you have knuckleheads like me who wait till the very end to, and procrastinate hard to get their stuff turned in and just make his life miserable. So um, you should definitely show him some love. He definitely deserves it. Uh, he puts a lot of work into this guy. We all put a lot of work into it, but probably nobody loves it or cares about it the same way that Brett does. And takes the least credit of anybody in terms of the thing. Very humble guy. Uh, and you will not hear him tooting his own horn, but he puts a lot of time and effort into it. So if you are picking, if you've already ordered the draft guide, or if you're planning to uh, know that this is something that, that we all care about a lot. And um, we spend a lot of time, you know, analyzing these players through the lens of players. We think that the Colts would like, and we did something this year that we've not done before, which is we actually scouted all of the Colts players and wrote up scouting profiles for each of them. And that really helped me get in the mentality of what the Colts players look like and profiling what kind of players uh, that the Colts might actually target. And so lots of cool features are going to be in there. We're going to be releasing a couple versions of this. We've done this every year, but um, because of slackers like me and others, um, we're going to be releasing a first version tomorrow and then there will be updates that will come out as we go uh, that will fill out some of the additional features because we we do um, have multiple uh, reviews of every position group and so not all of those are completed and we also have uh, some player interviews that guys like Zach have had with some of these uh, prospects and those are going to be kind of I think added in at a later time um, uh, over the next over the course of the next week and so yeah so you definitely want to check this out uh it's a labor of love for all of us and it's not really something we're not doing this to get rich uh and if we if we, if we were it would be a disastrous failure if that was our goal because uh, uh it's just not not really that but if you want to learn about the draft if you want to learn about the players in it and you want to learn how they might fit with the colts um it's it's a very cool resource that we put a lot of time and effort into so um Feel free to dig into that. There is a post on Stampede Blue uh, that will show you how you can get it, or you can go to coltsdraftguide.com and you can get it. Um, and we really appreciate it if you decide to do that. Absolutely. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully everybody out there that, that wants to go out and get it, I mean, what else are you really doing right now? Come on, buy it. But, you know, it, uh, it'll be worth your money. And like you said, almost 500 pages at this point. I know I've got more scouting reports that I actually want to add to it that I wasn't able to fit in uh, in the initial um, you know, what we were required to write initially just with time, the time constraints that I had. So, um, it's going to be added to as, uh, as time goes on and as the draft approaches. So, um, buying it now, you'll get those updates. And, um, I, I think it'll probably be well over 500 pages. Uh, that's a, that's a, a dollar for 100 pages kids. So that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you can literally just melt your face off with reading about draft stuff while you're sitting at home. Um, avoiding other people and, you and know, mostly, mostly your own children that you live with, that those are the ones you're avoiding. So, yeah. Yep. Trying real hard. <laughs> it's difficult when I work at home and so does my wife and right. then the two kids and yeah. Yeah. We, we bought a trampoline. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Like one of the huge ones that has like the enclosure and like where you can like zip them in and then just like mm -hmm. put a, I assume put a padlock on it and just spray them with a hose when they get too loud. I assume that's how that works. Is that parenting? Am I doing it right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. One of my coworkers showed me that he had bought this bouncy house for his kids for like 180 bucks comes with the blower and everything. And I'm like, oh, man, 
I'm real close. I've got a playroom in here that's not being used. I think I can fill that up with inflatables and just throw them in there. Lock the door and I'll see you in like five hours. I've got work to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, that's going to be my project for tomorrow is putting together this, this means of distracting my children so that my wife can work. Cause I actually am able to leave my house and go to my office where I work essentially on my own. And so I get some peace and quiet. My wife is at home all day with my children and trying to do e-learning stuff, uh, teaching remotely. And that is working about as well as you'd expect, uh, working from home with a two, four and seven year old to go. So yeah, uh, for any of you who are dealing with that as well, we feel your pain. Um, well, I don't cause my schedule works like normal and I, you know, get to be, enjoy my peace and quiet, unlike all of you suckers. And so, uh, so I don't feel your pain, but I, but I can, I can pretend to, um, and no, in all seriousness though, uh, hopefully you were entertained. We have, we have, I've enjoyed this. I hopefully we're going to get back, uh, in the habit of doing this a little bit more frequently. Now that the draft guide is behind us, we're going to have a little bit, I, I can actually have some spare time, um, <laughs> so that I can actually, uh, you know, devote in the evenings to, uh, to doing this. And I'm excited to get back in kind of the swing of, of recording these podcasts and, and, uh, and talking Colts. And as we lead up to the draft, we've got, just under two weeks now uh, till the draft guide or till the draft starts and uh, pretty excited about it. So I think that's uh, unless you guys have anything else. I think I, I am tapped out in terms of, of Colts talk for the evening. Yeah. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. I'm glad to be talking into a microphone to you guys about football again. Yeah. It was a good time. I love the, I love that Shepard had to just he he didn't mention it by name but he really no, wanted I, to I, into I, my really I, nice new microphone that I I mean no I was two weeks ago that we had had a chance to use <laughs> well yeah well just, just twisting I, the dagger there Shepard that's cool I I wasn't gonna I didn't mean it like that but yeah I mean since you brought it up <laughs> it's Shepherd, nice Shepard is subtweeting me in his statements here about about. Uh, <laughs> his his really fancy new microphone that he got because he knows i got microphone envy so all right guys yeah. that's, all, that's all we got i'm gonna go buy a more expensive microphone than shepherds and we will catch, <laughs> oh. you, guys, we will catch you guys next time uh and uh, i'm not sure what what the topic will be and if if you have something you want to hear if we didn't answer a question you have an interest you can you know shoot us those questions on twitter uh we haven't called for this for a while but leave us a review on itunes and uh and, and this time just to make it fun just leave us a review telling us the trade that you think bill o'brien would make um that's <laughs> that's the review it i want it to be absurd and ridiculous what you would what bill o'brien would trade and what he would get in return um the more ridiculous the better leave us that review and uh, we'll definitely appreciate it five stars and yeah i don't know we'll catch you guys later and thanks for listening later bye, bye.